Hi, everyone. I'm Nikki Porter. And I'm Nadine Smith. And this is Canada Horse Podcast brought to you by Informed Equestrian. We strive to enhance the lives of horse owners by facilitating conversations that make people want to talk. Canada Horse Podcast, we are spotlighting the Canadian horse industry while serving our mission to help bridge the knowledge gap for horse owners by offering the whys behind the decisions we make for our horses from their tack to their trainers to their vet care and everything in between. Our listeners are encouraged to use the information offered here on the Canada Horse Podcast to make informed choices that suit their individual needs. We believe in education over judgment and informed choices over following the crowd. Hello, this is episode 21 of Canada Horse Podcast. And today, Nikki and I are going to dive a little deeper into our family lives when it comes to managing being a mom who let's face it, is obsessed with horses. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I suppose that we can actually put it that way. So it is a bit of an obsession. Just based on our feedback and social media, the majority of you listening are women who may or may not have children. Now, if you are a man or someone who doesn't have children, please don't shut this off yet. We think that you'll be able to relate to things that we're about to discuss too. For sure. I think anyone who has a passion for horses likely has to deal with managing other responsibilities and obligations with your constant pull to the barn. Or perhaps you're the spouse or the child of a horse lover who might like a little insight into our thought process. Before we jump into our mom and horse lives, let's just catch up everyone on what's been going on in a very condensed horse show season update. Okay, so it was much anticipated for us after two years off. And a couple episodes ago, we talked about being ready for a horse show. Now that we've both been to a couple shows, I think that we should do some reflecting on how it felt, share what we learned and what's next. But remember, we're going to keep this brief. All right, Nadine, (laughs) (laughs) go for it. Yeah. So, okay. So you had your first two shows. It, it was unfortunate that we weren't able to actually get to any shows together, mm. um, which was not our goal, but so you had your first two and then I had my two and I can tell you the anticipation was bubbling when I, by the time I got to my horse show, which after I had watched you compete and I was having the FOMO and being sad that I wasn't getting to show yet. And then all of a sudden I was there, I was a bit of a ball of just anticipation and nervous energy and stuff. And my first horse show, my horse didn't settle very well. It was just, he was off his normal game, but after lots of warming up and riding out in the rings, we got it together and had a really good time. Actually. Um, we win some, we lost some, and then we showed in the exact same spot. I think it was only one week later. Yeah. One week later, we went back to the same place and did a two day show and same thing. It's really funny. Like sometimes you win, sometimes you completely go off pattern and you get a zero. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think we both had that lesson this (laughs) this summer for sure. That's going to be a continued lesson. If we decide we're going to be doing these, uh, these shows with patterns and all these other things. Yeah. So do you feel like, I mean, do you want to talk about either of your shows and do you feel like you've actually learned any lessons this summer? Oh, 
I definitely learned lessons. I won. And I think maybe this is part of what you learned as well. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like just relearning what our horses need in the show environment in order to be ready to be in the show pen to, to actually compete in the class, not just be there, but like, what do they need to be ready to be where we need them mentally in the pen. So going, how long do they need to be warmed up? How much experience do they need in that pen before they're comfortable being in there alone to do the pattern? All of those sort of things. Do we need to um, set up chairs and pretend there's a judge there? All of those sort of things in our warm up uh, before. And it's been, like you said, it's been two years. So some of those things kind of can slip our mind or maybe they're new because a lot changes for both ourselves and our horses in a matter of two years. Our horses are two years older than they were when we showed them last. And um, they either, that's either an advantage or not. They either needed that experience and didn't get it, or they're just a little more mature and they're like, nah, things are a little less of a big deal. So, you know, do you feel like there was anything that came up for you that you were like, oh, okay, that's a perfect thing for me to remember going into my next show season. I will tell you that I, I am not a very good loser. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's not that I needed to beat anybody for it. It's just that when you put so much pressure on yourself to do your best And then things happen. I mean, you got calls from me and messages from me going like, oh my gosh, like I worked so hard on this. And then this happened. And, Mm -hmm. and at the end of it, the thing that I came out of it understanding is that things are always going to happen out of your control. And this Mm -hmm. is something, a lesson that I try to tell Anderson all the time. My son is that your good behavior is not determined when you're getting what you want. Your good behavior is determined when something happens that you don't want and you, how you handle it. And so what I, what I learned is about how I handle things when things are not going my way. Mm. And so when things happened at the shows that were out of my control, um, I have learned that that is where I need to improve and where I need to come back and understand that next year. You know, the, the Sumac show that you and I are supposed to originally go to together that kind of started us on this like track together. I learned that lesson there. I did three spins instead of four. And I remember coming out of the ring and being incredibly frustrated with myself. And it actually came out with like me being frustrated that somebody didn't holler and say like, spin (laughs) and an indication outside of the pen to say, and you did that this past show, didn't you? You did three. Yeah. But you're, were you supposed to do two because of, of the class? Yeah. What was it determined as? It was a big confusion of do four spins or two spins in a green rider class. And they ended up saying two spins, but after sitting there and thinking about that, I did three spins. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But uh, like part of, part of my frustration came out in like what, how other people could have or should have helped me. And all of that, like when I left that show and I got called out on it because someone was like, Oh, you probably shouldn't like, this is not becoming of you. You need to rein it in. And I was like, oh, you're right. Like, oh man, it feels, that makes me feel better to know that you acted in that way. Cause I am like, I can be pretty like 
sour and I, not yeah. like, you're not like shouting it from the rooftops, but you're just like, oh my gosh, like blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. You know? and- well, it seems like you have to put that disappointment somewhere, right? Because you right. do, you feel like you work so hard and it all comes down to this one class and you go in and you make a minor mistake and then you have to find some way that it could have been changed, whether it's like something you could have done or something somebody else could have done. And sometimes that makes us feel a little bit of relief, but I think the lesson is, and I think it helped. I went to that show and then Mike and I went and watched the futurity. And I think what helped was actually seeing professionals at the highest level make mistakes. And Mike and I went and watched the RBC one year and we left there. And our lesson was that these guys are like professional losers. There was one guy, his horse dropped to his hip. And he zeroed before he even got to do any of his patterns. So he was doing a spin. His horse just sat down in the mm-hmm. middle of his turnaround. And he just like tipped his hat to the judge and walked out with a smile. And the amount of work, money, and time that went into that man being in the center of that pen out trumps like everything I've done in my life. And if right. he can walk out like he did, then it was a lesson to me. Like I, I need to rein it in. Yeah. And if my husband had been there, he would have told me to give my head a shake too. And it, it's exactly that. I had that same thought. And then, so the next, was it in the same show? I believe it was like the first class and the last class that I was in the craziest thing. And to me, it was hilarious. And to maybe the people that were in the class with me, they might've been sour about it, but I went in and did a really, it was a strange raining pattern that we had to do. Um, I can't remember which one, nine, maybe. Anyway, I was the first one in, I was off lead for a while. My horse wouldn't pick up his left lead. And so I I got like a 58 and a half or something like a terrible score. So, which was fine. I was totally fine with that because the rest of the run was good. And he was so tired and he tried so hard. And I think he was just like done. So I was totally good. I put him away and I started just packing up and listening to the next scores and watching a little. And I kept hearing the score is zero. And I kept hearing that the score is zero over and over. And somebody said, Nadine, are you the only one that scored in that class? And I thought, no way. Anyway, at the end, I found out that I won because everybody else either went off pattern or there was other, some kind of other technical thing, um, which I'm sure that some people might've been frustrated with, you know, when the technicalities mark you out, it is really frustrating. Um, so I certainly didn't feel like I, deserved to win that class, but it does show you that a, all these other pros that you're competing against, this was in the ladies and men's rating, they make mistakes too. And also it goes to show that if you just go in and do a good job of remembering the pattern, sometimes that can make you win. Yeah. When we started this, uh, we were working with Jim Derling years ago and, uh, he said the very, the most important thing is knowing your pattern just, just know your pattern so that you get the score. Then you can think of the things that you want to work on from there. But if you can't do the pattern, then you're not going to get the score and you don't even have a chance. And the other part is that, you know, it, it isn't over until it's over. And so, you know, it does, there are so many elements to competition that you just can't count yourself out until you actually see the end results. And so, Um, I think it's a really 
it's a cool story to be able to tell, to say like, you would never think that with the people you were competing against, that you would be the only one with a score in that class. That would oh. like, you would not even be able to convince me that that would be a thing. And it happened. Yeah. And I was by far like the experienced person in that class. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of a funny way to end off. And it just, I think it was just like a full circle moment where you can go off pattern, things can be blown, but you're still having the experience, right? Your horse is still getting out there. You're still being put in that stressful position where you have to remember things and compete and stuff. So that was good. There was one other thing I wanted to say. Oh, when I uh, posted the other day on Instagram about what people's show routines are and stuff, somebody had posted and they talked about going over their patterns, obviously, and also looking at the rule book. So she said it in a way of, she said reading general or a general. And I thought, thought she meant like a book called a general, but no, it was literally the rules, the general rule book of NRHA or for whatever discipline you're doing, but it is really important. And every clinician will tell you to know your penalties, know your scoring, know your rules, and then you're going to be that much further ahead. And I think to, to put that into your pre-show routine is really important as a refresher too. That is a great refresher. I mean, whatever, what other better time would there be than to do it then? Right. So yeah, that's great. That's a good place to put that in. The other thing that I was thinking was, what was it? Oh, that there's always, this is one thing that I learned this summer. There's always something that's going to change. So when I walked into the pen, every pattern felt like I was working on something different. So then it put my focus somewhere different. So then something else became a challenge, right? So when I, when I stopped feeling like all I had to focus on was the pattern because I felt more comfortable in my pattern, then my focus started going more to my horse. And when my focus went more to my horse, that's where I missed my lead changes and zeroed that pattern. But it was the best pattern that, or best, yeah, best pattern without my lead changes that I had (laughs) all season, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can still be proud of something and feel like something felt good, even though you didn't necessarily like win. That's, that's, that's right. That's yeah. your lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, did you have fun? Uh, I had a blast. Yeah. You? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely did. And so I still have one more coming up this weekend and potentially another one, the first weekend of October. Um, it's crazy how you can go from like, I can't wait to have a show. It's kind of like when you're hungry, I'm starving, I'm starving. And then five minutes later, you're full. I'm feeling a little <laughs> tired already. <laughs> I can't That's a great analogy. A where you can't imagine living in a place where you can show all year long. I think I would be burnt out like in five minutes. <laughs> I think it takes some getting used to again. And I think there's some added elements too, because we haven't been socializing for two years. <laughs> so like being around that many people and also being caught like, you know, cognizant of the new rules and what's, what's right. And what, you know, what do the regulations say and all of those things. I think it's just an added element to horse shows when there's already so much to think about. Um, so I think maybe it's just a little more exhausting, but you, uh, you know, I'm excited to live (laughs) for the horse shows again, but I know what you're saying. Cause I was like, I'm going to all the things. And then as soon as I had a hint that maybe I wasn't going to go to that Lawrencetown show. It was game over for me. My yeah. body was like brain and body. Nope, not happening. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I wish you could have come, but I understand. Me too. <laughs> Things me too. happen. 
Okay. So getting on to our mom life and our horse life, I have an idea that we should start with you. Tell me yours. I'll tell you mine today because we put that up on Instagram and these ladies nailed it. Oh, it's, it's exactly what we were thinking of talking about. So I love that we can talk about other people. Those of you who are listening, these are going to resonate because they're from you and they resonate deeply with both Nadine and I, and this is exactly why we decided we would do this episode at all. And so I wanted to just say too, this is a safe place where we can vent. Uh, Nikki and I are going to just share our personal opinions, our feelings, and we're going to read some other people's. And I can tell that we kind of struck a nerve here. And this isn't a place where we make excuses or judge other people or say that this person has it harder than this person or anything like that. It is what it is. You know, it is a difficult to manage your time and your energy and your money and all of those things. So yeah, definitely. Well, today, are you tell me yours? I'll tell you mine that we asked all of you to answer is what is, or has been your biggest challenge as a mom who has a passion for horses, Nikki, can you share yours? And then I'll read out a bunch that we got back. Sure. I will read mine. And it's funny because I had one come in from someone this morning And when I read hers, it was almost exactly the same. So I was like, oh yeah, this is, it's, it's a, not just me thing. That's for sure. So for me, uh, the biggest challenge is time. So having a child seems to really put life in fast forward. I'm not sure if anybody warned me about that or not, but it's a real thing. Like my child just turned eight on Sunday. That's unfathomable to me. I can't believe she's eight. So I feel like, um, like it not only fast forwarded her life, but like every element of my life, like my marriage, I'm starting to see how far along we are in our marriage and how old he is and how old I am. And with my horses and what I want to accomplish with my horses and my business, I want to do so much. And then I also see my daughter growing up so quickly and it scares me to be honest And I really had this thought in my head when she was, when I was pregnant and when she was little, that she was going to love horses. So she'd just come along for the ride. Like she would come to all the horse shows and she would come to all the things. So I didn't really feel like time and my daughter would be divided and they have, they have been. Um, So it's really tough when all of the things I listed above. So like all like marriage, my business, and what I enjoy all have to do around or have to do with horses, but because she's not really all that interested, if I want to have time with her, I have to do it away from all those other things, um, which was not what I thought was going to happen. So that's been my biggest challenge for sure. I really appreciate how you put that where it is time divided. That makes, it really makes sense. And I think that a lot of people can, understand that. And I feel a certain way as well, like a a similar way. Although I didn't really ever have the expectation that Anderson would love horses. I also have to divide my time. So it's hard. Yeah. Uh, So I guess I'll just uh, go over mine quickly before I read everyone else's. So for me, my biggest challenge is becoming adaptable and realizing that not everything can happen in the time frame that I always thought that it would. I also have a lot of internal pressures to accomplish X, Y, Z and have had a challenge managing disappointment when that doesn't happen. So Mm. the struggle with time, but also the, the pressure to get something done 
i.e. get ready for a horror show or something like that in a certain time frame. So I, I had talked about this in the past and, oh, <laughs> this little book that we're working on <laughs> that uh, you guys will be hearing more about. Um, we are in the process of getting a book published and I, Nikki and I both wrote chapters in it. And a lot of my chapter is actually about just this situation. So just about the disappointment and the pressures internally that you can feel when you're trying to divide yourself between your child and your family and your horse life. So, and we really do set ourselves up like part of the process of becoming a mom, like you have nine months where you're like, okay, I'm pregnant. This is what I would ideally like to do. And you don't want to let go of who you are and what you love. And so it's like, we, we automatically, well, I feel like, like I did this anyway, I created this plan of how it was all going to work together. And then it kind of gets rudely interrupted Mm -hmm. when you realize that this little person is their own person. You're like, oh, now I get it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. So listen to this. This, these are just some of the responses we've got to this question that we posted on Instagram. Someone said not feeling guilty for needing my own horse time finding the time to ride without having a riding ring at home. I can feel Mm -hmm. that one balancing both and not feeling bad about prioritizing my own passions and goals. We have a theme time management Mm -hmm. and feeling like you never have enough time for all of it. Mm -hmm. I was hoping that someone said this because I personally haven't experienced this uh, and neither have you yet, but the financial cost now that I have two horse crazy kids, It used to be two riders and now it's four. And I figured we would have some people that were like, I used to ride. I used to be the one going for shows, but now it's my kids and I've have to put them first. So financial restraints, it's not just about me and a horse anymore. Someone just plain said guilt. Yeah. Another person said on and off support from a non-horsey partner. Oh, I can definitely talk about that. Yeah. I lost confidence, especially when my kids were babies. I'm slowly gaining it back. That's a huge one too. I see a lot of that. So between between all of those that I read, they touched on every single point we had to discuss. (laughs) So that's why we wanted to read those first. And then we're going to elaborate. And I don't know specifically that we have any (laughs) uh, tips or suggestions or advice, but more so just like, a sounding board and to know that you're not in it alone and that perhaps it gets better or perhaps we adapt and change and we create a new goal. Yeah, definitely. I feel like just knowing that this is how the majority of us feel is just relief enough just to know that we can have the conversation. And honestly, I feel like a lot of these things there's not much you can do about it. There's not a doing element. There's a relating and it's a way for us to just say, okay, like we just need to talk about it and we need to just let some of the pressure off by having the conversation and going, oh, okay. Yeah, that sucks. Like that's, that's no fun. That's not what I expected or that's not what I was wanting. And then, you know, there'll be pieces in, in our conversation that will help people. I'm sure to be able to gain some perspective or some scope around the situation, their situation, but 
I think you're right in general. It's going to be just being able to talk about it and know we're not alone in any of it. Exactly. And, you know, I think you just mentioned this, but we choose this lifestyle and Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel any better when your spouse throws that in your face or anybody else that, Mm -hmm. you know, you choose this for yourself. Well, I didn't, I don't choose to be stressed out about it. I don't choose to feel rushed or pressured, but, or have guilt, but I also couldn't live without my horses. Mm-hmm. So we hear you, we understand you. These are, you know, we're, we're speaking to our people when we hear this, you know, when my husband says to me in the middle of February, when I'm out in the barn and it's cold and I have a sick kid and, you know, he says, or, or if we're trying to go on vacation, wouldn't it life just be easier if we didn't have the horses? Yeah. Okay. Maybe it would, but I know what that feels like. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, why don't you talk about the expectations of you having a daughter and hoping, praying, wishing that she would love horses and how that has gone. Okay. (laughs) So the very first thing that I bought, I was five weeks pregnant was something horsey for my daughter. So that shows you like how deep when a woman who loves a horse, how deep it can go that we like have this desire that our daughter's going to be like a horse girl or our son is going to be a horse guy. Um, but I only can speak from, from, you know, having a daughter cause I only have one child. So, you know, that was the very first thing that I bought for her was something horsey. And, and the very first thing, the majority of people bought me was something horsey. So as soon as I got pregnant, people were tagging me in like the cutest little cowgirl boots. And they were showing me like, um, you know, all these cakes, decorated horsey kid cakes and these like horsey beds where they turn into (laughs) these burns with you store all of their like toy horses down below. So it's not just the moms, it's all of, of the people that love us they also know this desire for us to have this like horse crazy girl like we were. Because with that, we also know that comes with us maintaining this passion and having having this part of our lives, you know, live on through our kids. Mm-hmm. So we made a commitment, Mike and I, that when we had her, because we're on the road so often and because horses are so ingrained in our lives that we were not going to force her into the barn. So it's, it was a real conversation around how do we not make her hate this because we have seen, so he went to Texas and he was buying a horse from a guy who horses is his business. And the youngest son of him, like hated being in the barn and they were only there for a weekend and they could see that this was not something that the kid liked at all. And So when he came home, we had this conversation. It was like, how do we stop that from happening? We don't want her to despise it. We don't want her to not like it because we forced her to do it. So let's make sure we never force her. And now we're like, what did it do the opposite? So (laughs) every single person that she knew growing up had a horse and she just was never the little girl that wanted desperately to go to the barn and see the horses. And you know, if I took her to a burn, the first thing she noticed would be the smells. And she's like, eh, 
it smells in here and she'd turn up her nose and she wouldn't want to be there instead of like seeing all the good things she was like oh it's dirty oh it smells and I was like what is this like that smells great what are you talking about no yeah the first time I really realized it was I was like I took her to see these cute little piglets like they're so cute and she was like I don't care about the piglets it stinks in here get me out of here (laughs) I was like oh okay then and so you know it was it's been eight years of me checking myself continually, even right now. She just, so her, her friends, um, just asked to take lessons with my sister. And when she found out her friends were taking lessons, she was like, yeah, I'll take a lesson too. And I could feel myself going back into that like desire and saying, is this the time? Is it happening now? And I have to continually check in with myself and say like, she is her own person. She will find her own passion. She doesn't have to love horses, but because she doesn't, that divided time thing came in. And when we choose horses, we are not choosing her. And it's hard. It is hard. Would you say like, does she ever recognize that? Like, does she recognize that if she goes to the barn, she would get to see you more? Or does she make any comments about you being gone and with the horses and not her. She kind of, she associates it with work. I think like she'll talk, she'll say work, not horses, right? but definitely. Um, she knows that if she came to the barn or if she came to the clinics and she really enjoys her time when she's there, um, she knows that it would create more time with us. But that being said, we've almost set her up so good when we're away that she knows how happy she's going to have it there too. So like she stays with her nan and she spends her weekends with her cousins and they have a great time. And she knows, she knows that she's going to enjoy her time there, but there's the unknown of what the weekend's going to be like when she comes away with us. So then she's not always as committed. And so like, this is just an example of how we've adapted is we have a new horse. And so she knows right now we're shifting into like, get into the barn mode. And so she came home from school and immediately said, can I have a friend over to come to the barn? So her friend came to the barn and they played while we rode. Right. Yeah. There's so many different sides to this kind of dilemma. And I think you guys had a similar feeling about it when she was younger as we did in the sense that like I personally it was hard so hard to have Anderson at the barn that it was better for me I liked it better if he wasn't there yeah you know it's your barn time because he's not in the way you're not gonna you don't have to worry about him getting hurt it's not he's not gonna cry or whatever you know so it's just you separate it and I think people with non-horsey spouses kind of I've heard anyway a lot of people feel this way that like no this is my barn time I don't need you to come to the barn with me yeah but then all of a sudden they're eight and they don't want to be at the barn because they never had to be at the barn right yeah so it's like that there's there's that part too and I had this conversation with I think it was Anya and she said she, she said something that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. I used to get really nervous. And I still get really nervous with Blake around the horses. Mm-hmm. And, and I questioned, 
whether, and I see like other people who their, their kids are like free range kids and they're running around and they'll give them a warning, but like their kids are pretty free at the barn and like they're, they're leading horses and they're doing these things. And, and I have this nervousness with her around them because I, I see what can happen and she's my only one. (laughs) And so I would, I feel like she almost sensed my worry when she was around the horses, because I was very sure that like, you know, be careful, don't do that. Don't do do that. And, you know, maybe my worry created some of that. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it's like when you don't know, then you don't know, but when you know all of the things that can go wrong and you see all of the dangers in front of you, then it can be even more stressful as a horse mom. Um, and then there was one other thing that I wanted to touch on. And that was like, you said, you know, you thought you were making, you start making these choices of like, you thought you were doing the right thing. And one of those choices for us is we got her the cutest mini ever. And I remember actually being like having angry emotions that she didn't want to spend time with this pony. Because we got her the cutest, cutest little horse. It was so and she, cute. Oh, her name was Skittles. And like <laughs> Skittles, if she went into the round pen, Skittles would like run to her and it was movie making stuff. Like it was so good. And she had no interest. And it was, it, it really made me battle with some of my own stuff for sure. I had to, I had to, um, go through a lot of, of emotions and I had to handle myself in ways I had to parent myself through the situation so that I could make sure that I was parenting her well. And there were definitely moments where I didn't parent her as well as I should because of my own expectations, not meeting the reality. Well, I think that that just hearing that from you is going to be helpful to someone else it isn't fair to put our expectations on them, but it, it also like, we have to deal with our own emotions, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a real thing. And I definitely see, like, I see these people are friends that have horse crazy girls that just, and, and somebody made a comment on at the last horse show that her little daughter might want to help too much. You know, she wants mm-hmm. to help take off the horse's boots and this and that. And she's only like two and a half. Mm-hmm. And it is, it gets nerve wracking and they're in the way a little bit, but then you're just like, Oh, but they love it so much. They want to be out here. And then I'm sure that those people, I, I, you know, I have another friend in PEI, we grew up riding horses together. He and I used to ride together all the time. And I came home years later and I was like, Oh, you don't have a horse here to show. Oh no, I'm here with my girls. Like they're showing. And I was like, at that time I didn't have a kid. And I just thought, Oh my gosh, is that what happens? (laughs) now you don't get to ride because your kids are riding and it's a real thing. You know, how do you manage getting your horse, your own horse ready and showing and your two kids ready Mm -hmm. for the show? So there's, you know, maybe we have it good in that way. (laughs) I think it's still do that. I think it's funny because I look around now and I look at, um, like Blake's friends who, have never had anything to do with horses and the amount of people that we speak to that are like, you know, I, I didn't grow up with horses. I just had this huge passion for them and I just wanted to be around horses. And, 
you know, they, they want to have lessons. They want to do these things. And it makes me go like, why don't you? I know. And, and honestly, I think you can agree. Like I can't even relate to her not wanting to be around horses. Like I can't even relate to that feeling because that's all I ever wanted. I think you probably just hit on something quite big there because I'm not sure if I actually thought of that ever is Mm -hmm. that trying to relate to her because you desperately want to be able to relate to your children. Mm -hmm. And that's something, yeah, I can't, that's a hard thing. Maybe that's what part of this is, is that I can't actually relate to her lack of desire to want, like to be in the barn and to just like kiss them and love them and do the things with them and for them. And that's what we were as children. And she doesn't have an ounce of it. Yeah. It's, Oh, but I should say this, Nadine, I say she doesn't have an ounce of it, but then she throws out these little things that they're like, they're like these little hooks for me, that it's like, she's baiting me and she knows it. And I shouldn't No, she's very smart. So, you know, she'll say, she'll say these, I guess it was, we were in the truck the other day and she said, my next horse. Oh no. She said, if you buy that horse, cause we were looking at a little mare, if you buy that horse, can she be my horse? Hmm. And so then it opened up a conversation about what that actually looks like and why she's saying it and why she wants it to be her horse. And then we talked about like what kind of horse we could get her, or we, or we would want her to have. And, and all of those things, it opened up a really good conversation, but then it was, and my next horse, I'd like to name it such and such. Right. So, it doesn't mean that she wants necessarily the horse. It's more like she wants a doll that she yeah. can brush or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or just or like maybe the novelty of it. Maybe it's her trying to relate to me as well. The same way yeah. that I'm trying to relate to her in that we're having that conversation, which also I haven't thought about, um, is that it's not necessarily her like giving me these like false hopes. It's that that's how she's trying to relate to me too. So I'm just say what you want to hear sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, self-therapy happening here. So carry on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like on a totally different topic, but Anderson will do that too. For example, last night he was going to bed. He was so emotional. I mean, he's just back to school and very, very tired. He had been up late all summer. And now all of a sudden he's like so tired. So six 30, we're rolling into bed, no bath, no shower. He's just that tired. And he gets into bed and he said, mom, can we just do sleep meditation story tonight? This is like, sometimes we do that on YouTube, which he's started to like. And I said, yeah, sure. Just that. Cause normally we read books first and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, how about just one book? Because I think that's what you want. Right. Oh, and I was like, oh no, it doesn't matter to me. Like, if you don't want a book, we don't have to read a book. We can just go straight into this. And that's all like, he sometimes will say what he thinks we want to hear and just out of his own heart, you know, this is what I think my mom wants. So, or this is what the routine is. You know, this is what, what happens when we normally get a new horse, we give it a new name and we mm-hmm. give it a new halter and something pretty. And so those kids yeah. are smart. So smart. So smart. <laughs> okay. So let's shift gears for a second, because I think what we just talked about leads very well into the next topic, which is huge. And so many people talk to us about this one. And I think both of us can relate to it. Um, And that's mom guilt. 
Yes. Mom guilt. So I recently heard the words from my child, mom, you don't even care about me. You only care about taking care of the dogs and the horses. (gasps) Anderson. Anyway, I didn't take it too personally because he's five and that's not true, but it, it's like, I don't think he really meant it. I think he was just trying to like say something to get attention. Mm -hmm. Um, because he has a tendency to want me to play with him all day long when he's home. And I am back and forth from the barn a lot of times in the day, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm always having to do stuff with the dogs or the horses or the cats or whatever. And that's just part of life. But I can see how the kids would think that that is taking away. It's almost like a little bit of a jealousy thing where you always have to go do the barn chores in the morning and the nighttime, or you're going to ride your horse and I want to go do this. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I could have definitely fallen into some guilt. And I did tell Mark that he said that. And I was like, is that true? Like, do I spend more time? And he's like, no, of course not. But if you put the time into yourself, it's easy to feel guilty, especially when your kids are ready to throw you down that hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they're willing to really point it out to you. <laughs> yeah. Good timing, Anderson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know you, you felt some guilt, especially about being away. Hey, Oh, Blake. Okay. So this is, do you want to, this is my introduction to mom guilt. First of all, mom guilt starts before we even have the baby. That's the first lesson that I learned. Like I started feeling guilty about things I was eating. Like you just so many things that you just automatically start saying, okay, what are my needs versus this other person's needs? And you, you figure that out very, very quickly. I didn't, I wasn't really ready for the, the expanse of mom guilt that I experienced in the beginning, but all it, it's funny because, you know, you talked about the fact that we choose this, right? So everything that's on our plates, we put there Mm -hmm. in some sort of way, or we don't take it off the plate, right? When we add something else. So When Blake got her very first cold, her very first cold was a weekend that Mike and I were going to Maine to show our horses. And I went to the horse show and she went to her grandmother's. She was supposed to come with us to that horse show. That's like, this was like the start of her staying with her nans instead of coming with us to the shows now that I think about it. So we had everything planned that she was going to be with us. She was like four months old. Oh boy. She was going to be with us for this show. And no, she wouldn't have been four months old. I have to actually think back because she was born in September. I have to think of like what the timeline was. She probably wasn't four months old, but either way, you know, we had all the plans set in place for her to come to our first show with her. This was the thing. This is how we were going to organize things. She gets the cold. She goes to her Nan's because, you know, Nan reassures us that everything is going to be fine. And it was. And then of course the next horse show comes and it's easier for her to be at Nan's instead of come to the horse show. And now eight years later, it's easier for her to be at Nan's than be at the horse show. So, well, there's a little bit of, you know, processing. So, but I, I remember feeling like sick to my stomach going to that horse show. And I remember the first time I went to a clinic and I was away from her, like all of that stuff is so fresh in my mind that, and I know that it's fresh in my mind because of the guilt 
that was involved in like choosing something other than spending time with this little tiny person that you don't even know that you can love something as much until you like see them and spend time with them. There's like all of these different emotions that get wrapped into having a baby. And then this is one of the biggest ones that how do you choose yourself and choose them at the same time? Well, it's interesting that you say that. And I might have a different experience than a lot of people. Mm. And I think I'm being very open and honest and vulnerable to explain that because I don't feel like I had a lot of mom guilt. Mm. I think I had a lot of mom resentment. Yeah. Because I chose to be with the baby. I don't want to say I was a murderer, but I chose to always be with the baby. I had to put him first. He needed me a lot. Yeah. And then I resented the fact that I couldn't just be where I wanted to be, which. And there's the guilt of like, or like the. What does that mean when you are with your baby and you want to be somewhere else? Right. Yeah. It doesn't feel good either way, but I think it's like there, there needs to be more balance. If, if you don't have balance, then nothing is, is what it's supposed to be. So Mm -hmm. if you're with your child all day long, and then you go to the barn in the evening, you really wouldn't feel that much guilt about it because you're getting to do both. Or if you are with your kid all week long, and then you leave for a horse show, but then you spend more time with them when you get home, then there's not a lot of guilt because you're just still balancing both. But when there's no balance, when you're literally like always with the child for years, mm-hmm. and then every time you go to the barn, they either have to come with you or they're crying or they're complaining, or you're being pressured from someone at home who feels like they're babysitting the kid. Mm-hmm. Not that that was my experience, but just, just saying that you all, even if you do leave, you still feel like things could go wrong or that you're being pressured to be as quick as you can or something like that, that just is like a recipe for internal combustion. Yeah. Nadine, as you were talking, I'm kind of thinking of like, when you said internal pressure, there, there is a pressure that builds in us when we start to disconnect from what our true selves, like, like what, what makes us feel like us. And in the becoming of a mom, there's lots of times that the becoming of a mom is incredible and that adds so much, but you start to like lose this sense of self. And when that sense of self is so connected to the horses, uh, it can, it can really, how, I don't know how to explain it. It can feel like you've lost a piece of yourself that you can't replace with motherhood. Does that make sense? Like it's, it's hard to. Yes. I think we love our children. We obviously want them to love horses too, but sometimes they don't, (laughs) we want to spend time with them, but we also have other things that we are passionate about. And some may be passionate about exercise and going to the gym. Some people may feel guilty about taking time to go work out or to go just spend time with their friends or, or whatever. I mean, mom guilt is across the board, whether you like horses or not, but I think that this particular passion is very time consuming and financially consuming as well. Yeah. You just read my mind. I was just thinking, oh, and the, the guilt of the financial, right. Uh, that's huge. Yeah. Of the finances. So I think 
when we think of mom guilt, one of the ways I think it is important for us to actually talk about just a little bit about how we can relieve this mom guilt, because just because you, you feel guilty about it doesn't mean that you should like, right. There, you know, you kind of said, well, there's moms that spend, you know, the full week with their child and then they go for the weekend. So there's not there there. I'm sure that you're listening right now, the mom that spends their week with their child and then still feels very guilty for having two days away or one day away, maybe even one day away for a whole year. Um, so I think the one thing that helped me was I needed to reconnect to myself. I needed to be able to understand that I cannot pour from an empty cup and that if I wanted to reconnect myself and fear, feel more fulfilled, I had to be a little more selfish with what I was doing with my time and that I needed to be able to separate a few things so that I could prioritize myself in those times, whether that was just go for a bath or go to the barn or go to a horse show. Um, and then the other was to ask the question, am I doing my best? And right, I love it when you say that. Yeah. That like that, that's a big guilt kicker. Am I doing my best? And if the answer is yes to that, like, I know sometimes more guilt can come with that where you're like, my best isn't good enough. You know, I got to the point where my best wasn't good enough in any area. And I had to make major changes in my life. And I had to, I like threw the plate, like <laughs> threw just taking things off of the plate. Like I threw the plate and was like, we need to re look at the whole thing here. Um, because it's not sustainable to feel that amount of guilt about existing and wanting and being and all of the things. Yeah, I totally agree. And the part that I touched on at the beginning was about the the pressure to get things done in a certain time frame. Mm. So if you're coming from it in the same way that I am, that you're wishing that you had more time with your horses and you wanted to meet this certain goal and you wanted to get to this horse show or you want to do this or that. And we really have to step back and be like, is it that important to get this done at this time? You know, and the horses will still be there. They want you to be consistent in how you do it. They don't need you to be there every day, every week. They don't need you to consistently be there on the same time. At the same time, they need you to just be you and be authentically you. And going and showing up and being in a rush for your horses is going to do more damage to your relationship with them than it is otherwise. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, yeah. Well, we've been through <laughs> COVID really put us back in that place, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. You read my mind because the, yeah. co- like the circumstances of COVID and just the regulations and the interruption of goals and plans and all of the things, uh, yeah. it kind of felt like the same sort of interruption as like adding a new element to your life where, all of a sudden you just don't have the choice that you thought you had. And when choices are taken away, control, when control is taken away, right. Then it can feel like we have no control. That's right. Right. Yeah. Which is hard. There are probably some books we could recommend. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes, uh, definitely. Okay, what else did we have left? Oh, um, there was, okay, well, some people talked about the financial piece and I do think that that is hard. That's definitely hard when you're like, oh, now we need to buy another horse. That that adds on a lot. And I, I can imagine that the choices that people would have to make to decide to get a new horse or perhaps sell their horse so that their kid could have a horse, that is definitely difficult. I haven't had to make that decision yet. However, we're in a situation now where Mark's horse has been off and will probably become Anderson's horse if he wants a horse or she'll just be here. And the choice is, well, do we get another horse or does Mark just stop riding? Mm. So it adds a lot of work to my plate to get a third horse here. And it adds a lot financially. So it is definitely something to think about if you have other kids and other people in your family that want to ride. Yeah. That is one thing that where she really hasn't been overly involved and she's involved in like dance. So dance right now, because it's just lessons. It's not financially taxing. Like at some point, and this is another thing is like the, financial decision. Like, let's say she decides she's not going to, I don't think she's going to, I should say she's probably not going to become a hockey player, but let's say she does then. And she has to go and do all of these things. And she is financially, she needs a lot more for her goals. You know, that decision to say, am I going to set aside the horse's for the things that my child wants, who is not horsey. I have a feeling that those sort of, Mm. uh, not hockey, but (laughs) I think those are, those are going to be valid discussions that Mike and I will have to have in the future about, you know, where we're dividing our money because up until now, because he and I are both horsey, you know, making the decision to buy the horse and spend the money in the horse world that's easy for us as a family, because it's both a, a value and a priority for us. But adding that other family member in there that it's not as much of a priority definitely creates some financial discussions. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Discussions and compromises. And that is, I I'm sure in all of our future. Yeah. Let's talk about the support. Um, we had it in our notes that it takes a village and I know that you have a good village. Thank goodness to help with Blake. And (laughs) sometimes I really like how somebody put in our, um, you tell me yours, I'll tell you mine, that the support can be wavering. It can be up and down. And I can relate to that actually. So talk about your support and what it means to you, Nikki. We do have incredible support. And so, you know, if Blake doesn't want to come with us, the, you know, really the only time Blake wants to come with us is when we're going to your house. (laughs) <laughs> so it means she can go and hang out with Mark and Nadine and, and Anderson and do the things. And so she, when we have to go to a clinic, she can go there. She's happy. That's fine. And other than that, she goes with either my mother in Halifax or most often with Mike's mother. And she, she's very happy with them and they're very supportive. And I never feel like they don't want that now, if I had three children instead of one child, it would be more challenging is my guess. So it would be more taxing emotionally and, and physically on his mother to take 
all of these children on. So it's easier because we just have the one. Um, so we're, we're very well supported. Uh, but I will use my sister as an example, which is so strange that we can be so close and live so close and have such different support systems. And so she lives 13 minutes away. And because her husband is not horsey and because my mom lives two hours away from her and she, he does not have any family around that can look after Owen. It was, she just didn't have the support and we're away teaching. So I couldn't take her daughter. And so she didn't have the support to be able to have the horse do the things and have her family be in different places. Um, and so she actually ended up selling her horse because of that, because she didn't have the, I would say it was a very, it was a big deciding factor because she couldn't divide her time as easily. Oh, that's hard. That's a sacrifice right there. Yeah. Yeah. And we, so we are fortunate as well because Mark's parents will take Anderson, you know, when we need them to, and my mom will watch him as well, but they're not always around. And thankfully because of COVID they have been, but a lot of times they travel. So it's just kind of up in the air. And if those two people aren't available, then we're kind of hooped, but it's, it's also, I feel guilty for asking. Mm. And, and I always like, uh, I don't know. I love that you have that situation where it's just like a given that she's going over with her nan. And for yeah, us, I like just, we just look at the calendar and we say, Terry, we're away this weekend, this weekend, this weekend. She goes, okay. Like yeah. it's, it, it blows me away that it's been that easy. But it, again, this has been eight years of this, right? Like it started yeah. when she was very young. Um, yeah. And that is part of our like that's for, I think it's maybe feels different because it's for work, you know, yeah, like where maybe, it's for the yeah. clinics, maybe, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. And like, not that anybody has ever like made a big deal of like, when we ask it, can Anderson come over for the weekend or something? It just feels different than if they say, can he come over for yes. the night? It's if we're asking the favor, it feels different than if we don't actually need them. Um, Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we don't ever have a babysitter or, and, and my sister and brother live an hour away and they, we've never watched each other's kids for some reason. Like, it's just not a thing in our family to like, for any of the aunts and uncles to like babysit the other ones, which are not that they couldn't, or they wouldn't, but it just hasn't been a thing. So mm-hmm. it really does fall on the grandparents who have made it possible. You talked about the first time you left Blake I left Anderson with his grandparents for the first time when he was just about nine months old Mm -hmm. because I had a horse in training in Quebec. And so we left and I literally was having a panic attack Mm -hmm. to leave him. It it wasn't the guilt. It's the anxiety of Mm -hmm. this is my baby. I'm leaving him. I don't know what's going to happen to him. And Mm -hmm. a lot of, I got a lot of anxiety when I first had him of just, you know, I think it's partially it's control. Partially it's, you don't know what's going to happen. Partially it's, he's only happy when he's with me. So you don't know if he's going to cry the entire time, Mm -hmm. all of the above. So I don't know. There are people that we know that take their kids to all the horse shows and they just manage and they shift the kids back and forth. But for Mark and I, we wouldn't enjoy it. We just wouldn't feel comfortable or happy to be there if we were just trying to like manage all of that stuff 
yeah. in a weekend. And yeah. I think that it, you know, I remember it was mother's day weekend. So that's probably why I remember it so clearly because I have spent every mother's day weekend away from my daughter since the day she was born. And because I've been teaching and we were at a clinic in New Brunswick and people who we know quite well, they now have three kids. They only had two kids at the time. They were in the clinic and their two children were standing outside. So they're both on horses, mom and dad are on their horses and both of their kids are under the age of six and they're standing at the rail and one of them was crying and the other one is just like playing. And Mike and I talk about that often where we're like, they made that work. They, they brought their kids with them and their kids now ride and they love it. And they, they coped. Um, I can just imagine the stress and, and like the feeling of trying to be in all of those places in that time, we were coping by having our daughter go with our, her grandmother. Um, but you know, there's so many, what ifs of like, well, what if she just had to come along and, and just yeah. do the things. And we weren't just trying to make her life easy and our lives easier. You know, would she, would she be more inclined to be horsey? You know, there's so many what ifs. Anyway, the, yeah. beyond that, it's the managing and the personalities and what you know you can handle. Um, can you be present with your horse and have your child screaming at the gate for you? That That's it. That's it. It's different personalities. Like you said, I could not. Well, I did my first clinic with Jim Anderson after I had Anderson, he was three and a half months old and my mom came and hung out with him in the horse trailer in the yard while I was riding. And then they would come in, in my break and be like, the baby's crying. And I had to go breastfeed in between the clinic Mm -hmm. and like hold him and have like, take care of him in between my times. And I just felt like a complete scatterbrain. I cannot, I can't, can't. And I think that that everybody has their line of what do you choose? Okay. I probably, if I looked back, I don't know if I would choose to be bothered to go. Cause I don't know how much I got from it because you're so tired and you're so scattered mm-hmm. versus just doing it because it's a once a year opportunity. Yeah. And honestly, I'm not sure if we're quite prepared for the mom, like let, we talked about mom guilt, but can we talk about mom brain? Because oh, yeah. I wasn't prepared for mom brain. I didn't realize that, you know, offering everything to my child for the first, however many months meant that I then couldn't think my way through <laughs> other things that <laughs> were so easy. Did I ever tell you about the Chris Wonderly clinic where I, yes. Yeah. Right. I like, think we shared that on the podcast one time. Yeah. Tell I'm that. pretty sure. Like I live, you know, I didn't put my horse's saddle on guys. <laughs> like I was that, I was that much in a different place mentally. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it was my first clinic back with her and I couldn't be in all the places and do the things that I could do before having had her at that time. And I was exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. Hormones and exhaustion do not make for a good combination of dealing with children and horses and learning, right? Yeah. And the amount of money that we put into the clinics. Mm -hmm. So it costs a lot. So you put a lot of, of expectation on yourself to show up 
and learn the things that you were there to learn. And then there's just all of these other pressures that come on. So, you know, it's, it's real and looking at it and saying, you know, what is important here and is this good for me? Am I, am I mentally, emotionally, physically at a place where this is a positive? Yeah. It's yeah. (laughs) I'm putting myself back in those situations and I'm going through all the different clinics and things that I went to back then and worrying about Anderson while I was there. And it's just, uh, first of all, like the time when Andrea Anderson came here, I would be really sad if I decided not to do that when he was a year old or however old he was, but it was definitely challenging because I was his primary caregiver. And then I had to leave for, I think that we did that for three days. It was long or something. It was a long time. And so then Mark was dealing with caring for him when she, you know, he was fine with that, but it's just, I'm used to being in control of the baby. And Mm -hmm. so that was difficult for Mark and for I, but we made that work. And so let's talk about, since we're kind of talking on like anxieties and being scattered, let's talk about the little bit of anxiety and nervousness and safety issues that happen that we have to deal with as moms and moms of kids with that like horses or don't like horses. Oh, okay. So I have one for this. So in the midst of having the child that isn't that into horses, that also means that when I'm riding, she needs to be entertained at the barn. So during the COVID lockdown, so this was interesting during COVID lockdown, like she had our, our time, we could, we had no time for anything but the barn. Like you may as well go ride your horse and have fun because you can't go any, you can't go shopping. You can't do anything. You can't work. So we spent a ton of time at the barn and she was with us. But what we did is we made it fun. So we had the bale and Mike put up a rope and she could swing off the rope and she could do all these things. And I actually just had this conversation last night about the stuff that you don't even realize you have to explain safety wise with your child till the situation comes up. So I'm going to tell you this situation and there's very few people that know it. And I know I'm telling it on a podcast, but I do feel like it's one of those things that like, I had some shame around the fact that it took place, but I also didn't even think about the fact that it needed to be taught until the situation happened. So we have the bail, we have the rope, we have the things and she's jumping off and she's having fun. We turned around and at one point she had the rope wrapped around her neck. So she had taken the rope that she was swinging on and put it around her neck and Rusty caught her. Yeah. So that was one of those moments in the barn where you go, wow, you know, we were trying to create something fun for her and it turned into a very dangerous situation very quickly. And of course, like Rusty caught her and she was fine. And we had the conversation about how dangerous that is and the importance of our necks and keeping it safe and all of these things. And it was, it was a moment that I was like, Oh God, like there's so many things around us that we have to keep them safe from. And in the midst of doing something fun, we found one of those things. You couldn't like, I can't even imagine a scenario where you'd be like, and by the way, this rope you're swinging on, don't wrap it around your neck. Right. It just, yeah. It was a big rope. It wasn't just like a smally woven no, no. rope, right? It yeah, was a big no. one. So you wouldn't even think that she would do something like that. But it was, it just it was like a long, you know what it was? Uh, now that I say that, it was a set of 
Um, oh, like those Clinton Anderson Makati. Is it called Makati rings? Yes. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't like riding in them and <laughs> it was strong enough for her at that age. And we had it knotted at the bottom and had this towel. And so she could sit on it and swing. And uh, they were really high quality, apparently, because they're still being used now as the, <laughs> as the rope swing in our barn. Um, and so, no, you wouldn't have even thought that it would be a thing. That That is something I struggle with. Like you said, you, you're just constantly thinking about the things that can go wrong. And I wonder if, yeah, we are, we have only children. So that makes us maybe a little more on edge and a little more um, cautious, I think just in general. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think like we should clarify that, but we do joke about this and we say like, we see how we function with our kids. And then we see how our friends function that have three kids. And I think there's a difference between you relax more and you realize that they're not as breakable as yeah, it seems like they are. And I have a tendency to be like, and you are the same too, like the rule following extra Mm -hmm. cautious, Uh, that's just our personalities. My husband is not like that, but he's still very safety aware. Mm -hmm. And like, we, we don't make, um, irresponsible decisions when it comes to safety. But I do think that perhaps my upbringing around the types of horses and the types of things that I have seen, and probably the types of horses you've seen, it has altered my sense of awareness and what I feel could be unsafe. Like Mm -hmm. once you see a horse spook out of nothing or a horse kick randomly, or how many times I've got my feet stepped on and just little things like that, when you know that can happen, it makes you a little more worried that that could happen to your kid. But I don't know, because there's so many people that have horses and kids and they just let things happen. Yeah. Well, you know, I think back to being a kid myself and the things that I got away with Mm -hmm. being a kid. Um, there were many, many, many near misses. And even as an adult, there were met, there have been many near misses, but just, you know, doing things like just turning the horses out. So, you know, mom saying, can you go turn the horses out and not realizing that I need to be really cautious about how I turn my horse out when I take that halter off. And I remember distinctly one day the horse's hoof go past my head and like, it would have been just that easy. And so I think of those things with my kid and I'm like overwhelmed by the amount of things that I need to explain to her. And then am I making her more nervous about the horses by explaining all of the things that are potentially (laughs) life-threatening? I know it's so hard. And so we, we send Anderson to riding lessons I didn't want to teach him. I didn't want to be the one that was like making him do the thing. So it's like a fun thing. We take him to a riding lesson. It's a half an hour and it's been almost a year off and on. And so he's learning. And the main thing was for him to like get used to being around horses and for safety, like not necessarily that he would love riding and want to like have his own horse, but just about safety. But oh my gosh, you want to see somebody on the edge of their seat, ready to jump up. It's me, the person that owns and rides horses, not the people that don't know anything. So they have the the kids go up to these barrels on their ponies and they have to reach over and pick up a ring or a car or something in a game. And they are hanging off the side of the pony. And he was like 
four when he started and I couldn't control myself. I was like <laughs> dying sitting there. And it's just because, you know, you're just like, oh my gosh, he's going to fall. Oh my gosh, he's going to fall. <laughs> <You Right. know? laughs> I, I like the idea of sending him to someone else for the safety alone stuff. Yeah. You know, and, and I can just see you seeing all of the things and trying so desperately hard to be respectful of, you know, the teachers and everything else. And, and also desperately wanting to keep your, your son safe. So yeah, the struggle is real. They had his, they were fixing his stirrups when he got on, it was a new teacher last time and they were so short. I was like, what's happening here? His stirrups are way too short. And he was like, settle down just take a seat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. Well, Nadine, I think that we could really uh, talk about this for like a few more hours. (laughs) Okay. Well, before we wrap it up, I want to know, have you found that you have been more cautious or more safety aware for your own self since having a kid? Oh, good topic. Yes. Um, Okay. So I'll talk about this really quickly, but what I noticed after having Blake is I was less, oh, it was this, the, the confidence piece that somebody brought up that really hit home for me. I was less, I was like doing things against what I knew my instinct was to do with a horse. So like I would step back when I knew that I needed to actually make myself a little bigger because it was like my self-preservation kicked in more than it ever has in, in my entire life. So, which was interesting because it aligned with the exact same time that I started handling other people's horses that had some problematic behaviors. So when that happened, I actually knew when I needed to hand a horse to Mike. Um, But yeah, I 100% started getting, uh, I don't know if if Nadine, it was even that I started getting more careful or if I just started seeing more places that oh, that could have been something. And then it translated into different things. Um, And I'll tell you, you spoke about the Andrea Anderson clinic. That clinic was life-changing for me as a mom and a horse owner. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you why. I watched a woman take control of horses that were presenting difficult behaviors. And she taught me how to create space and be effective and not feel like I had to have a horse on top of me in order to work with them. And the space allowed me to begin to start to feel safe again and to be able to stay regulated while I was with them. Oh, that's awesome. I would love to have her back. I know. Right. (laughs) What about you? I feel like my balance took a hit after I had a baby, like my physical body. First of all, I didn't ride for most of my pregnancy. Like after three, four months or something, I was done riding for the most part. So that's a long time to be out of the saddle. And then like, when you get back in, you're like still kind of sore and things are not, don't feel as strong and stuff. So I think it took me a long time to feel like I had my balance in my body back. Mm. Now I feel fine. Like, I feel like I don't, I don't aware. What is the word? I don't think about the repercussions of something that I do 
and how I could get hurt. I mean, I got on my horse bareback and bridle this couple, like last summer and my <laughs> horse took off and I laughed the whole time. So like, I, I wasn't thinking, and I don't usually do things that are unsafe. I didn't see that. As Not a reckless unsafe. sort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but I do wear my helmet and I do think that is important, but that I feel like is a me decision, not a like mom decision. Mm-hmm. So I, I think more than anything, it affected my balance in my physical body, but mm-hmm. not necessarily mentally. I think that's a really good point is like, how did having babies change us physically? Because there's so many things that we are like, have to get used to when it comes to our schedule and mentally and all of these things, but you're, you're right. A lot of things happen to us. Like for instance, I get super, super um, dizzy quickly now and I can't swing on a swing anymore. My stomach gets upset. Right. Is that a mom thing? Or is that just like an adult thing? Cause I, I I get even like, this is completely off topic, (laughs) but when you say that I can't even barely watch a race car game on TV. Right. Because it makes me feel dizzy. My favorite ride was the zipper growing up. Yes. I know. Right. And so now I can't sit on a swing and I blame that on having been pregnant. I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but I, it happened after I had Blake. So now I have to think about that because I'm a rainer. And so I have to maintain my balance and be able to spin and not be sick to my stomach or be too dizzy in order to do my next maneuver. Um, right. Right. Yeah. So, and that, that was not a thing before I had a child. No, maybe it's related. I'll have to ask Mark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it felt a little, it felt kind of good to hash all this out and to vent yeah. these things. You guys let us know if this if you relate to all of these things and if you have any more thoughts, if you have any tips for anyone else, or just Mm -hmm. if you feel like this maybe helped you feel a little less pressure and less guilt. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a conversation that every mom needs to have in order to just be like, Oh, so glad I got that off my chest. This is, I've been feeling this or thinking this for so long. And I'm really, uh, I'm honored to have the conversation with you, Nadine, because I feel like you know, our kids, I, Blake is eight and Anderson is five and, you know, they're close enough in age now that we can really start to, to see similarities in our experience, but we have a lot of differences in our experience having had a child as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's nice for moms of all experiences to be able to come together and just talk about it. Like, what was hard for you? What was hard for me? (laughs) Yeah. And if you have someone in your life who is a new mom or who is a partner, or if you have children and you're not like necessarily the primary caregiver, I really suggest and encourage you to be supportive or to be an ear that someone can vent and not to make them feel ashamed for their feelings or to just give them that hour to go to the barn and they will come back feeling happier. I will. I promise you. It's so important. Be kind. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Yeah. I think that's a good way to end this. All right. Until next time, everyone. Thanks for listening today. If you know a fellow Canadian equestrian or equine business you think needs to be highlighted on the show, be sure to email podcast at informedequestrian.com so we can be in touch. 
And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to send us some love is by sharing about Canada Horse Podcast and Informed Equestrian with your friends. And leaving a review is always appreciated. Your support means the world to us. Until next time. Right on, Canada.